Welcome to the Kixology Podcast, a show all about running shoes. My name is Brian Metzler, your host and resident running shoe geek. I'm also the author of Kixology, a book about the hype, science, culture, and cool of running shoes. In this episode, I welcome Sam Weinbaum from RoadTrailRun.com and Thomas Neuberger from BelieveInTheRun.com to talk about the best running shoes coming out in 2021. We talk about new models from big and small brands, new midsole foams, carbon fiber plates, and emerging trends. Thanks for tuning in. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thomas, Happy New Year. Hey, thanks, Brian. It's nice to be here and be here with you and Sam. Sam, Happy New Year to you. Uh, you ready to talk? You bet. You bet. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so January is always a fun time, I think, for runners and running shoe geeks because. Uh, Obviously, there's so many shoes coming out, and uh, I know in, in your world, you're probably furiously testing a lot of new models. Uh, 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 talk about that. I mean, how, how, many, how many boxes of shoes do you have stacked up, Sam, and, and, and ready to test? Oh, let me count. Uh, that's, uh, that pile is six. Uh, the other pile is uh, five, and then we got another six. I hope you can do the math. So about 20 plus. That's a bunch. That's a bunch. And, and, and Thomas, same for you. I, I have enough that um, it's a constant trip. We have to go to recycling right now. So it's a, my garage is just filled with cardboard. Well, that's good. It's, and it's a fun time of year, right? I mean, Thomas, talk about that. I mean, obviously this is the time all these shoes come in. Um, we're ki- kind of kids in a candy store. Uh, what's it like to, to go through this process? Yeah, well, normally it's a lot more fun because we get to go to the running event and kind of get a preview of what we're going to be seeing. So a lot of that has switched to virtual now. So what we're looking at is doing, you know, online stuff with the brands and kind of getting some information from them, some behind the scenes looks. And then shoes start rolling in, you get excited. Obviously, you know, there's, there's shoes that fit what you really love about running. So when those come, you're excited and there's shoes that are more utilitarian that are, aren't as much fun to review, but still have a, uh, a solid place in the uh, running ecosphere. So I'm sure Sam would agree with me that there's some shoes that you get really pumped up about and there's some shoes that you're like, okay. Yeah. yeah well, it's, it's, uh, it's quite a, quite a time of year. Uh, what I usually do is, um, I always weigh them first, uh, and then once, um, and I recommend this to our other testers, if our, our prior version isn't too beat up, I, I take them out on an A-B test to see if I can feel differences. Um, and it's it's unbelievable, the, um, the colors, the all the stuff is really exciting this year. Yeah, and Thomas, you mentioned the, the running event. So the running event, for the people that don't know, is a trade show that's been going on for Gosh, it's 2007, I think, and it's uh, usually in Austin, Texas. Every now and then it switches for different reasons, but uh, all of us running shoe geeks go every year for a several-day trade show in early December. We get to see all next year's um, shoes and models, and uh, I think I think uh, backing up a bit, I think that uh, I think I've been to every one of them, but I think that you guys have been to most of them, uh, and, and that's it's, it's kind of a really cool thing because you get to see kind of. Um, this whole display of shoes and footwear and it's like, it's like this whole exciting time. Right. And, and it comes at a good time because December is kind of a downtime for runners, but, uh, but yeah, no trade show this year. So I think we've all been kind of scrambling to interact with the brands uh, to kind of learn what's going on. Certainly there've been some virtual calls. Um, I was on several of those 
which I saw some of you guys on. And uh, I was on a North Face thing yesterday for their new Vective shoe. Um, but obviously, we, we still have the shoes. We still have the samples. I know there's been a lot slower uh, distribution, uh, shoes stuck in Asia, shoes stuck on a boat somewhere. You guys have heard all those stories. Uh, I guess despite all that, that seems like we're full speed ahead, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I think- go ahead. Go ahead, Thomas. I was going to say, that's one of the weirdest things about this year is normally shoes that would land in the U.S. first and then maybe make their way over to Europe or Asia are because of what's going on with the pandemic and shipping and stuff. We're seeing those shoes uh, first land, you know, you'll see them popping up in Asia or see them pop up in in the U.K. And so uh, normally when we are the first to hold the shoes in the hands, it's a little, little bit weird this year to see them popping up on the other side. I really miss the, um, uh, the 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 running event. You know, I, I it's it's wonderful to be able to actually touch and even you know kind of aisle jog a shoe that's new occasionally. Uh, now it's it's a bit more, you know, sort of uh, spec sheets. Uh, sometimes it's hard to kind of figure out exactly what's different or what's new. Um, really miss the in-person and talking to all the in-person, all the wonderful people at the brands. But I, I think that all the companies have done an amazing job. So many of them had, have had to kind of uh, get into their offices one day a week to be able to ship out samples um, for testing. They've really done a heroic, heroic job. And in fact, in some ways, it's been even a bit smoother as far as receiving samples because things have been um, a bit more uh, methodical. So really hats off to all the brands and even just being able to produce all these shoes in such a challenging time and great new stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I think that, you know, as much as, uh, 2020 was, was certainly rough all around. I mean, uh, you know, if you recall a year ago this time, uh, there was new shoes coming out. We were looking forward to, some of the new releases um, prior to the Olympic trials marathon and also the world athletics uh, regulations were not yet uh, understood. Uh, that was the end of the month last year um, compared to last year to this year, we still had a lot of great shoes come out. Um, you know, I, I thought that there, there was, there was, uh, you know, sort of, we, we knew a lot of what was coming out. We knew, you know, every brand was working on their own uh, carbon fiber shoes and such, but still I thought last year was actually a pretty good year uh, for running shoes given that like a lot of things got disrupted with, with shipping, uh, obviously the Olympics were postponed. Um, and so, so despite all that, there were a lot of good shoes that came out this year, last year, but I think also, I think that there's some, you know, some kind of great things happening for this year. What, uh, what, uh, are, are your kind of early teasers? What, what, are you, what are you looking forward to most, uh, in 2021? I was going to let Sam take this one. Go ahead, Sam. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, over the last year and a half or so, we've seen um, uh, the kind of emergence of plated shoes, um, both for propulsion and for stabilizing some of the new foams, you know, the uh, P- uh, PB from Saucony, of course, Zoom X, um, Fuel Cell, uh, Hyperburst, etc. Um, I think this year, um, we're going to see um, companies adapting the new foams uh, more towards training shoes with and without plates and uh, what we're going to what we're seeing already for example the hoka mac 4 is kind of wider platforms to do that or for example in the puma uh, dv8 nitro um, 
using a, a rear TPU plate to kind of stabilize these softer foams. So I think we're going to, uh, another great example, the new uh, Nike um, uh, ZoomX Invin Invincible run, uh, no plate. So the geometries, uh, uh, the width, um, it's going to all be, I think, oriented in the training world to more comfortable um, dynamic rides. Uh, the TC from New Balance, of course, kind of set the stage for all of that initially. Um, but I think we're going to see uh, um, innovative, high cushion, very dynamic uh, trainers as a key a key trend. And of course, I'm, the uh, the racing shoes will evolve. I think in the carbon uh, or the plated racing shoes, um, things are going to move away from kind of a monolithic firm plate to things like the energy rods and the um, Adios Pro. And who knows what all else uh, the brands will be uh, working on uh, for kind of a fast but more comfortable ride, let's say, in a racing shoe. That's a good take. That's, that's, that's good input for sure. Uh, Thomas, what do you think? I mean, obviously we had a, the, the, the mass uh, unveiling of all the carbon fiber plated shoes. And certainly I think a lot yeah. of people were, were, were training in those by default, kind of, kind of ahead of the, the trend that, that Sam's talking about. But I think that some of them you realized you couldn't really train in it, if only because they were a little yeah. bit too sharp. I mean, I think that certainly yeah. uh, the shoes were good. I, I thought, you know, the example of the Endorphin Pro from Saucony, I thought it was a great racing shoe, but I thought the speed was a much more everyday shoe. That was my favorite shoe, I think, for the year. But maybe talk about that, Thomas, in terms of like, yeah. okay, last year was really kind of uh, the first year with everyone having shoes like that. And now we're at this kind of V2 year. Yeah, I think you, you look at shoes in kind of like this trend format and like there's one year we, we saw that everybody's working on a fly knit upper so, or uh, a woven upper yep. and that, that trend went through. And then the next time, you know, we were, we were looking at this past uh, show, there was a lot of eco-friendly components being brought into the shoes and everybody was working on their ratio. And I do think, you know, they're, they're kind of working on these shoes in advance. So by the time that we're seeing something, it, it, this trend started two years ago or something, but people must have started looking at, hey, these shoes are so much fun to run in these plated racers, but they're not practical for daily training. But how do we take the efficiency and the fun ride of these speed shoes and put them into a shoe that you can use every day? And I think that's gonna be the next sort of trend is you're gonna have you know, it, it also is great for the industry because you're going to buy more shoes. You're going to have your daily trainer, your speed work trainer, and your race day shoe. And I think what we're going to see is right now people use their daily trainer and their, their speed, their race shoe for speed workouts, where I think we're going to have an alternative that's somewhere muddled between daily trainer and speed work shoes. And we're going to see it in different ways. You're going to see different stack heights. You're going to see different foams. You're going to see different uses of plates. I know that New Balance has a shoe that uh, we're testing right now that has, uh, you know, a plate, but is for more practical. I would say the Nike Invincible falls into that uh, realm of not having a plate, but has that foam that's uh, easier on the legs and for faster, you know, feel. So we're going to see that throughout, and I cannot wait for Asics. Uh, I think they're going to have two to three options for the um, race day shoes similar to the endorphin speed and pro so I, I think 
the performance, comfort, and speed is what, what we're going to be looking at as a trend for this year. I would yeah. add that um, this is um, these shoes are you know quite complex. It seems to build. There are many components. It's it's also led to kind of a um, a uh, an increase, if you will, in uh, pricing. Uh, you know, now we have uh, training shoes that are you know or non-pure racers that are in the uh, 160 to 200 dollar range. That's a, a trend that's emerging. Um, so it's going to put pressure on, I think, some of the the plush middle shoes in in the lines of the various brands. But I do think, you know, they're big they're big dollars uh, these shoes. But um, if they deliver on the promise of fresher legs, dynamic ride, uh, as the uh, racing shoes have, I think uh, consumers will uh, seriously consider. Uh, having, uh, you know, spending that extra money and having uh, the kind of fun that a lot of these shoes uh, deliver. But it, it's it's getting up there in pricing. That's for sure. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but we've been kind of numbed into the being all right with this, I mean, pretty substantial price increase for performance shoes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a great point. I think that um, we have a little bit different view because we, we get a lot of these shoes to test and, and it comes, you know, as like part of our, 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 our daily thing. But like, I think when you think about the average runner, um, you know, years ago, years ago, maybe 20 years ago, there was this big thing like, oh, can shoes go over the hundred dollar thing, the hundred dollar barrier <laughs> and still, still make it, People, you know, and, and obviously there's not many shoes at a hundred dollars anymore, but, but certainly in the last several years we saw, you know, kind of a premium trainers go from the 130 mark to the 160 mark. Um, I think, you know, honestly, Newton was one of the first brands to really jack up prices when they, yeah. you know, when they first launched, they had their two shoes or their two kind of price points at 155, 175. And like that kind of shocked a lot of people, but it certainly um, started to open the doors for a lot of other things to happen. And, and it, it kind of showed also maybe the, the width of, 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 of kind of how to look at shoes and performance shoes and, and, and certainly now I think that, um, you know, Sam, to your point, I think, I mean, like, yeah, it's, so, so certainly $200 is a lot of, uh, a lot of money for, for, you know, what, what is going to wear out if you wear it every day or wear it, you know, quite often, you know, it's going to wear out in three or four months, you know, and that, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough value proposition, except for the fact that when you look at other, other sports and other, you know, pieces of gear, whether it be skiing or mountain bikes, and you're paying, you know, $5,000 for a bike or whatever, certainly it is still relative. I, I think that um, I'm always shocked at what people pay for, like, uh, custom golf clubs, things like that. Um, as a runner, you can still get, you know, a $100 shoe. I mean, I think the Brooks Launch is a great shoe that is uh, versatile and, and um, comfortable and, and can be fast if you want to, and that's, I think, still 100 bucks. But, but yeah, so these shoes are now, you know, 168 the low end and 250 275 the high end that's that's a big deal i guess the question with that is will that change kind of um the outlook of, of running or the kind of the socioeconomics of running given that to run fast you need these shoes or you want these shoes i mean um you know how, how's it going to change things sam what do you think well, i think i think the fact well you made a good point about the hundred dollar shoes all the brands pretty much have very fine hundred dollar shoes, uh, even in trail with the, the uh, Brooks uh, divide and Brooks has not only the launch, but they also um, have the uh, Revel, uh, which will soon uh, be replaced by the, the trance. So and New Balance has a whole fleet of 
find $110 shoes, Saucony's, Canvara's, $110. So there are a lot of options in that price range. It really comes down to, you know, what what people want to experience uh, and what they can afford. Um, so whatever gives you joy and makes you smile is good, I think, and keeps you hopefully injure, injury-free. Um, I personally find a tremendous rush out of these more sophisticated, technologically advanced racing and, and training shoes. But I also get a lot of joy out of something like the Brooks Trance or some of the New Balance uh, fuel cells. So I think people adapt. Our running is really, especially in these times, uh, kind of what all we can do. Um, yes, the races are gone, but that's what we can do. So I think people have been less kind of freaked out about the pricing because it's it's our special moment be it just training these days yeah that's a good point i, I think i trained more uh, in 2020 than i have in a long time <laughs> and i didn't race at all um which is kind of kind of odd it's first year i didn't race um any, any kind of race and uh but i found myself because i had all these shoes i found myself inspired to wear faster shoes i, I wore the brooks appearing on elite quite a bit uh both the first and the second version um, I love the, the, the ASICS meta racer, uh, quite a bit. And I, I just felt, I felt inspired to train, you know, on the track probably more last year than I have in a long time to do faster road workouts. And I still do a lot of trail running and there were great trail running shoes, but these new fast shoes, um, certainly inspired me, um, easy, easy to run workouts or to keep up with faster runners, you know, around Boulder that I've been trying to train with, you know? And so I think it's, it's been, it's been good in that way. I think that certainly, there's no doubt these shoes are faster, but I think to your point, Sam, um, they're certainly more efficient, but also the recovery is a big deal. I think, you know, I also started wearing some of these shoes just to do my long runs in. And again, they're, they're not an investment to me because I'm getting them, you know, as demo models from the brands. But like, you know, I might think twice if I was like, okay, it's a $250 shoe. Do I really want to wreck it on my, on my Sunday runs, you know, but at the same time, the experience was so good and so rich to go out and feel, feel great running, you know, 16 or 20 miles. And then the next day feeling better. Um, I mean, that's, that, that's the whole revelation that's coming out about these shoes is like, it's more than just fast and efficient and race day speed. It's like it, comprehensively, there's a better feeling, you know, overall, uh, Thomas, you, you obviously run a lot of these shoes. You must feel the same or similar. Yeah, I mean, I've been – the thing that I've done is I may have used to save these shoes for race days, but mm -hmm. since where races aren't happening, you know, a 10-mile run or, you know, on a weekend run when I'm doing my longer miles, I'll, I'll throw on one of the shoes that I would normally reserve for racing just to have fun because I know it's going to feel good. You know, it's fun to go fast. But one shoe that we're leaving out of this mix that, you know, we're talking about prices going higher, you know, Atreyu comes in with a new shoe that where prices are going lower, you can do the subscription, get the shoe for like, I think 55 to 75 bucks uh, per purchase when, when you go on the subscription plan so, uh, and it's about a hundred dollars if you don't. Um, and, you know, we talk about technology getting jammed into these shoes and, and all the fun advancements of that, but here's a shoe that's, really stripped down to its bare essentials and still a ton of fun to run in. Um, I know both of you guys have, have run it and had positive experience. So, you know, you don't have to spend, you know, $200 or above to have a fun day of running. Yeah, I agree. I, I, lo I love the Atreus. Um, when I kind of first stumbled upon them, 
I actually didn't uh, see those guys at, I didn't see Michael at uh, TRE last year. I know you guys did. And then I connected with him after, but uh, when I kind of really understood what he was doing and then spent a lot of time talking to him and like listening to podcasts he was on and having him on my own podcast, you know, I, I really loved what he was about, you know, and he really made it about the run and, and we'll get to that in a second. But uh, I think Atreyu is a, is a great example of, yeah, okay, you can go out and you can still run and you can focus on, on your training on what you're doing. And, and for me, a tray, your shoes are just enough, you know, foam and cushioning and, and not too much more. They don't get in the way. They fit my foot great. And I can run, uh, kind of run free and easy in them. And, and, you know, I've run, I've run workouts. I've run longer runs in them. And I think that, uh, from, from the point of view of affordability, it's amazing. I mean, certainly the durability is not there, but they're not, not intended to be there, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but, but at the same time, but uh, it shows, yeah. I mean, like, so I think I think the current price is fifty five dollars if you subscribe, which I do, and then uh, I think it's ninety five for a one off. And so, so it shows that you know, obviously, tweaking the production model and the system, uh, you know, kind of kind of poses a couple things. One, that it's possible to do it right, and and again, I, I don't think Michael or anyone will say that those are um, next generation kind of fully advanced technology shoes. They're not meant to be, but at the same time, it, you also see kind of what the markup value is in other shoes and other big brands, you know, the Nike's new balance, Adidas, uh, Brooks, you know, obviously they're dealing with huge markups. And so the cost of production, um, isn't, isn't what we you know think it to be based on the price tag, but obviously there's a lot of marketing. There's a lot of other pieces in the bigger brands that has to uh, inflate that price. So it's interesting from a, from a cost point of view to think that, yeah, 55 bucks for a shoe, it's actually pretty good. You know, I like, like those shoes. I, I, I run in them a lot. And so that's a totally different thing. But I guess, I guess it also brings up the point though, that, Hey man, it's not about the shoes. Right. And like, as much as we are immersed in this scene, in this industry and all these shoes and we're as geeked out as anybody is, it's still not about the shoes. And I guess maybe Sam talk about that. You've been running for a long time. Like I have, and like we've run in a lot of shoes, but ultimately still, as Michael points out, you know, it's, it, the battle lies within on the shoes. I mean, it, it is still about hopefully running and training first and foremost. Yeah. Well, you know, um, what's interesting is I, I don't, you know, I keep track of my miles, but I, I don't, you know, get too fussy about it. You know, I do my Strava thing. But what I've noticed this year um, with all the, the kind of uh, next generation shoes is uh, my average pace is considerably faster with the same kind of heart rate and effort as it has been in the past. And my recovery has been nothing really tires me out. Of course, I haven't done many races. So um, this is a big, this the past year with some of these, with some of the new uh, foams, some of the new geometries has been really pretty good for me, even though I think I'm getting old, been running 48 years, but I even, you know, I even got, uh, it was a hot day, but I even did uh, a couple miles, a two miler, uh, well, uh, you know, quite a bit decently sub, um, sub seven minute miles, which surprised me. I should have kept on going. I might've beat Thomas at 5k. <laughs> so, and that was in the <laughs> yeah. But you know, it was just barely under seven, but anyway. Um, but what, what's really changed is I, I remember, you know, my first marathons way back in high school, I couldn't walk. I, I, I wasn't able to walk for a week after them. Uh, and yeah. I was training quite a bit. Um, you know, uh, as much as a hundred miles a week in high school, I couldn't walk for a week. Um, my, uh, 
my last really good marathon, 2018, a Boston qualifier in the Vaporfly, I ran the next day. Never, ever, ever in dozens of marathons have I ever run the next day. So the, um, the, the, as things have progressed, um, we're, my focus, I think my, my, or not my focus, but I think what these, a lot of these newer geometries and foams have delivered is fresher legs. Um, and then back to the Atreyu, I think it's, uh, very admirable that what they've done is really simplified, kind of gone to the parts bin instead of trying to reinvent the wheel and put together beautiful, highly functional shoes for, you know, very reasonable price. Um, so it, and, and without, you know, more, without a big infrastructure of marketing and tons and tons of people, uh, you know, they can pull, they can pull it off and I hope they continue on their path. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go counterintuitive on this and I'm going to say it is all about the shoes. And right. the, the reason I'll say that is we at our, where we are in the timeline of being runners, it's not so much all about the shoes because we know what doing fart licks and speed work and striders. And we know all that stuff when I see, and, and sometimes when, what I love to see in my audience when we're talking, um, you know, reviewing shoes and, and doing our thing is that there's people out there that, you know, they go to DSW or they go to, you know, even fashion running shoes. And, mm-hmm. and I remember one of my friends who actually is a, turned out to be a phenomenal, like doesn't train and runs a sub three hour marathon. Um, when first couple times he came out for a run with me, he's wearing cotton shorts, cotton shirt, and a pair of new balance 57, you know, fit five, seven, nines or whatever they are fashion, you know, running shoes. and for those people, they don't know the difference between how good it feels to run in just a decent trainer. Just, and I'm not even mm-hmm. talking like a high end. If you're talking Brooks Rebel or something like that, that Sam brought up earlier for a hundred bucks. Um, even that's such a huge upgrade to, you know, if you're wearing Nike shocks or, you know, a gym shoe. <clears throat> no, that's, that's, that's great. I mean, I, I think that, I think sometimes, you know, we all have to take a step back and realize that, yeah, we're so, we're so in the know. We're so kind of clued in. We have all the models of shoes. I mean, I, uh, I don't want to sound like an elitist, but I, I every day I go out and run, I, I know specifically what shoe is best for certainly right. the, the, the road, the type of road, the type of workout, the track, um, what, what exactly. kind of intervals I'm doing, you know, short intervals, there's long intervals. I'll, I'll take a different shoe and then trails too. I mean, there's, a lots of different kinds of trails here in Boulder, but like, I'm like, okay, this is good for that. And like, and I'll actually, you know, do this process. But I think that, I think that's lost on a lot of people, if only because most runners um, either don't know, um, as you said about your friend, I mean, like, you know, people are buying by, by price, by color, by the brand they know, by what comes up on their feed, you know, and like they see a a discount for a shoe and like they click on it and that's how people buy shoes. I think that, I think that I I, I do value the experience you get at a specialty run shop. And I've talked about that a lot. I think that going into a store where there's a good shoe fitter uh, can help you find a shoe for your gait and your shoe shape and and all your foot shape. And, and then also having the availability right there to try on different models. And then you can really understand kind of like, Oh, this last, the shoe fits differently this one, or this, this is actually heavier in my hands, but lighter on my feet. I mean, there's a lot of those experiences you get by trying on shoes. um, I I consider, I can, I'm going to jump in here and just, just say that I consider us sort of like a wine connoisseur and you know, what pairs well with what, 
entree or you know whatever's being served you can pair the wine with it to have the best experience between the food and the beverage yep. whereas a lot of people are happy with just box wine like yeah yeah whatever I'll, I'll have a glass of that it's easy i don't have to worry about opening up a new one or anything like that whereas um you know, we got into it. I think the first time I talked to you, Brian, we talked about uh, from your book, Kixology, where you had got the Nike Air Max and you were, you're out there and you, you, you crushed your feet and you're like, I got to get, I got to figure this out. And, uh, you do. And, and the more that you get into the shoe geekery part of it and you find out what shoe works for what terrain or what type of run you're doing, the better the run experience is. And the better the run experience is, the more you, you fall in love with the sport. The, the other factor is f folks often um, stick with what they know generation after generation of the mm -hmm. shoe. Uh, and, and that's okay, you know, uh, but they're, they're often, you know, fearful of trying something else because it's always kind of worked. Um, and I guess part of the role that, you know, Believe in the Run and Road Trail Run uh, try to uh, help people with is to compare some of those shoes and others so that people uh runners can maybe d decide to take a chance or move on um some of the brands like asics has gone with their light versions of their classics um and and uh different geometries uh same stack heights uh to provide kind of a a path forward in a in a in a in a given kind of model to encourage people to try something a little bit different same price um, so, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's tricky for people to, to try, you know, something else after they've been with something forever and ever. So, uh, it's worth trying. It is worth trying, but it doesn't always, you know, it might not work. Um, but it's worth trying. Absolutely. I think people, you know, the, 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 the Asics Kiana wearer, um, the Nike Pegasus, you know, obviously there's a lot of go-to shoes that people, yeah, it felt good about. And, you know, if those shoes don't change much, um, which is kind of a laughing kind of backstory um, for a lot of brands, but if they don't change much, obviously they, they have the same experience. They either go to the same place where they buy them or get them online. What they just, they know that's what they want. Right. And, but that being said, there's been a lot of changes in some of those, like even the, the Kayano and the Nimbus, for example, what people are used to those. Now they have the Kayano light, the Nimbus light, things like that. Um, I think, I think it's certainly a good time for runners to kind of branch out and, and, and kind of um, experience new shoes, especially obviously with the, uh, the racing shoes that are out. And as we talked about earlier, the kind of the 2021 trend for uh, dynamic training shoes, I guess, how would you recommend though? I mean, like, uh, you know, we all get these shoes, we we're kind of in the know, but um, for, for runners that are, you know, it might be a committed runner, but have been in the same shoe all the time. How, how would you guys recommend, uh, Thomas, how would you recommend people go and kind of uh, understand kind of what's out there? I mean, obviously there's a lot of great online sites. You guys' sites are very informative. Um, there's online stores that have free shipping. Um, obviously there's, there's the run retail experience with when it's good, it can be really good. Uh, but, but how, how can a runner be informed, you know, for themselves and what do they need to know about their own kind of running to, to get the, the right shoe or a better shoe or the next shoe? Well, I, I think there's important factors as far as, um, you know, what you need to get out of a shoe. So I, I've actually was just talking to someone who's been like a diehard Mizuno wave rider uh shoe fan for forever and they want to try something new but every time they step out of that shoe they're either disappointed with what they get or maybe someone 
recommended the wrong shoe for him. So what you have to do is maybe, you know, take a look at the shoe a year in and what are the qualities that you like about it, whether it's stability, whether it's a wide platform, lightweight, any of the characteristics. And then you can see from the other brands, like say that you just want to try, like you're like, Hoka has some beautiful colors out and has a, a fun looking shoe. I'd like to try a Hoka. So how do I figure out which Hoka I want? And then that's when you can go and you can do a little research. There's a couple of ways you can do it. You could look at sites like Sam's or mine and, and take a look and say, okay, here's similar shoes to what I currently wear. And here's some of the shoes that are new or what are the characteristics of, of the, for example, uh, Sam brought up the Mach 4. You can say, okay, what's it? That looks like a cool shoe. What are the characteristics? And if it matches with what you need, then give it a shot. And a lot of these stores are forgiving. They'll either let you try it on there on the treadmill or you can order online. They'll give you free shipping back and forth. And you can try the shoe before you, you know, you marry it and see if it's right for you. And, uh, you know, I think just, just exploring, you may find that even though you have loyalty or, or love for a certain shoe, just switching it up could just add a little more life and excitement to your to your running i would add to that uh that's that's super super correct uh thomas that also let's say you're you're you know you're loyal to the wave rider you do some research mix it up um have more than one shoe i know that is good for us slightly different or drops different levels of cushioning flexible versus rockered mixing up um day to day um is better for I think better for your legs. So instead of saying, for example, I'm going to go from you know a, a wave rider or a Pegasus straight to a zero drop shoe, um, mix it in. You know, mix in different options of cushioning, drop, uh, weight. Um, I've run in a few shoes recently that are super heavy, super heavy um, on the on the scale, if you will. And you know what it kept me going slow. They were just as fine as a lighter shoe, but they kept my pace reasonable that day. And I was very happy about it. So weight, drop, stack, materials, try to try to mix it in and, you know, uh, kind of don't go all in if you're going to uh, mix what you're going to mix your kind of uh, tools of the day. Sam, just out of curiosity, what are what are the heavy ones that you're running? Because I, I find that sometimes I also, as much as I love the light ones for for fast work, some of the heavy ones have some benefits. So I'm just curious which one you're talking about. Well, uh, actually, it was a, tra a trail shoe. It's the 361 Ushan two. Okay. Uh, I've, uh, the weight is like 12.4 ounces, you know, but it has <laughs> a fantastic midsole. Uh, bouncy, yeah. flexible, lots of rock protection. Uh, and I took it out on kind of a urban road to trail. And, you know, I moseyed along. I actually picked up the pace a bit towards the end. And I had a wonderful run. Uh, and I, it was literally a shoe. You know, I didn't have to think about where I was putting my feet anywhere, trail or road. I just moseyed along. Um, and, you know, often runners are very focused on weight. Um, and when you get into trail shoes, uh, as well as road shoes, so um, different uh, weights really, um, uh, weight is, you know, can be the, the width of the platform, the stack, the firmness of the, or the 
consistency, density of the midsole. So they all provide kind of different experiences for different uses. Um, same in same in road shoes. Um, uh, I, yesterday, I I, te- I took out a high shoe. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's coming soon. Uh, Han H A N N. Yeah, it's a carbon carbon shoe. Yeah, it has two carbon kind of shapes. Ready for this? Fifteen ounces. Okay. Mm. You know what? Because of the geometry and what they did, it ran very nicely. I like the. I might say it runs like an eleven ounce shoe. It's kind of unbelievable. So it's I, not I always great. I, I can't wait for that. I, 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 I agree that, uh, that weight is kind of one of those funny things. You know, um, back when I started t- testing a lot of trail running shoes, there was a lot of shoes that were either super light uh, and maybe too flimsy and, or super, super heavy and, and too bulky. And, and obviously we've come to a middle ground about that. But I think, you know, if you look at the daily trainer in road shoes, you know, 10 ounces is considered kind of almost on the higher end now, you know, where right. yeah. Um, whereas, you know, trail shoes back then, there was a lot of trail shoes I was testing for sample size that were, you know, 12 to 15 ounces. And, and I was like, ah, oh, that's too much. And, but, but Sam, to your point, I think that, yeah, there's a lot of ways where weight uh, nowadays is different. I mean, back then it was just, a, 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 it was a number and you're like, okay, that's 14 ounce shoe. That's, that's heavy. And it was, you know, I think now though, that the weight is, um, in terms of the, the foams and materials, the construction, the balance of the shoe, you know, can, can, can be a little yes. deceptive. And there's plenty of shoes that I, yeah. I run in. That, that seem lighter on my feet than they do in my hand. And that's, that's always an interesting thing. But I, I do agree that like, I, I used to be a weight snob and I used to be like, you know, I guess maybe from my, from my pension from long ago, from wearing racing flats, from being a track geek, I always wanted the lightest possible. Right. And, and certainly there's, there's give and take to that now that we know how light shoes can be and also how, how well, like uh, say like a nine ounce shoe can perform, um, you know, on both ends of the spectrum, either as a fast shoe, uh, tempo shoe or, is a is a, even a long run shoe, and I think we kind of both touched on the idea that yeah, having a quiver of shoes is, is important uh, based on different foams, different feels, different drops. But also, you know, I think what's also a little bit lost on kind of that committed runner who doesn't maybe uh, know about shoes much. I mean, most most runners still have like one or two pair of shoes, you know. And I'm not mm-hmm. suggesting they need six or seven, but I think if you start start getting shoes or start kind of pulling up a shoe out of your bag for that day's effort, um, whether it be a long run or a trail run or a tempo run, certainly the more you do that, I think the more you can really kind of uh, engage uh, different muscles, different kind of proprioceptive feel um, for the ground, things like that. And, 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 and then improve as a runner too. I think that you, you know, all of a sudden you would realize like, oh, I wouldn't wear that for a long run or vice versa. You know, I think that's, that's, that's kind of a part of the learning process of, of finding the right shoe um, uh, kind of, you know, for you and for your day. Um, speaking about uh, brands, it seems like there's so many brands right now. Obviously there's, you know, we, we know that Kraft is coming out with a shoe and, and we have Topo and there's, and there's so many brands, I guess, um, in your estimation, maybe off the top of your head, uh, Thomas, what, what brands are really killing it right now? Which, which brands are the leaders right now? I know that for years people would say that, oh, Nike was the leader and everyone else is following, but it seems like now there's a lot of leaders um, what, what's your input on that Thomas based on kind of some of the innovations and new designs? I mean, I, I try to look at it sort of like the stock market and, you know, we definitely saw last year was a good year for Saucony with the endorphin line. For sure. Um, but then you come into this year and you go, okay, who's going to stun me this year? And I think that this is, there's going to be two things that come out of this year. I think that we're going to see a lot of stuff in the trails 
um, side of shoes that are taking what we're learning in the roadside and applying what can be applied to the trails to the trail. And so we're going to see that. And, you know, obviously a brand that we haven't seen out there a lot, North Face, um, in recent, and they haven't put a ton of solid product out on the trails in the past is I think that maybe I'm hopeful for what the, what they have coming out with the, um, lineup of plated trail shoes they have. I think that'll be exciting on the trail side. I think for me, shoes that, uh, I think ASICs is, is going to be on the rise this year after a long time of being a little bit sleepy as a brand. Um, as far as a heavy shoe that I think is fun to run in, uh, from our previous little chat there, um, I would say the Glide Ride 2 is an exceptional, fun, nice riding shoe that is not the lightest. I think for my size, it's around 11 ounces. It might even be 12 ounces. Um, so I'm excited to see what ASICS is going to put out this year. You know, I, I'm wondering if we're going to see a lot from Nike this year. I think that their 50th anniversary is coming up next year. Yep. And I have a feeling they might be saving some surprises for us. And uh, we might be getting, it might be a 2022 for Nike. Um, but shoes, like the shoes that I'm most hyped about and brands, you know, New Balance has been popping out some great stuff. One of the shoes that uh, we're going to be able to talk about February 1st is the Rebel 2. And it is probably one of my all-time favorite non-plated shoes that I've run in. Um, it's just, it's a fun shoe. I don't know. Uh, Sam, you're probably getting miles in it. You can probably uh, say whether or not you like it, but it's a, it's a pretty phenomenal shoe. So some stuff coming out from New Balance is exciting. Um, there's some stuff that we're going to see mid-year for training that applies some of the plated technologies that we were talking about. Um, and that, that's probably, probably the two. I, you know, I feel like Brooks has been a little sleepy with their stuff. Um, yeah. So, uh, my top would be right now would probably be Asics, New Balance, Saucony and Nike. Yep. Yep. I agree with a lot of those. I think that your point about the North Face, um, the North Face is coming out with, uh, you know, it's Vective line, the Flight Vective I've been in quite a bit. I've been testing that since September and uh, it's got a carbon fiber plate in it, uh, similar and different to a lot of road shoes that uh, we've seen some really good success with. And But a definitely a different feeling on the trails and it's uh, it's both stable, it's it's um, protective, um, it's protective enough, it's fast, it's it's a little bit rocker. That's exciting. I think the the Puma DB8 uh, Nitro, I think, is, is a fun shoe. It's interesting. I haven't... Like, yeah, I like that Puma. Fully better, but I think I think that's gonna that's gonna bring Puma's uh, kind of uh, return to, to running uh, quite a bit, and um, so I think there's a lot of a lot of good uh, a lot of good possibilities out there. Uh, what about you, Sam? What do you think is uh, the, oh, hot, the hot category? Well, um, clearly uh, last year uh, Saucony uh, hit on all cylinders, both road and trail. Uh, of course, endorphin, but every single one of uh, their Road shoes and trail shoes was carefully updated. They simplified foams. They simplified, got rid of the ISO fit. So they really uh, hit hit the long ball uh, last year. And I think they're going to continue on into 2021 uh, with more probably refinements to all the great work they did last year. Um, in, in terms of Nike, um, 
they they continue to kind of be radical in their approach uh, with the, um, of course, the Alpha Fly, the Tempo Next, the in, Invincible Run, less radical, more conventional, sort of their first really um, uh, fine kind of neutral max push and chew. Um, uh, they're opinionated, which is good, but maybe a bit confusing. The Pegasus 37 was not as maybe as a bit too kind of uh, awkward for some people. I found it awkward. I like the women's far, far better, softer, lower air uh, PSI. Um, Asics clearly is remodeling and continuing to remodel uh, successfully with the guide sole. Um, uh, they're a bit behind, I think, in the foam game, which is key. You know, that that's really key. Uh, Nike Zoom X is, is really still kind of leading the way, given how light it is. But others are kind of starting to nibble at them. Uh, New Balance with their, um, their the fuel cell we see in the, in the TC and the RC is a good example. Um, uh, Brooks, uh, I'm looking forward to more from Brooks uh, in um, 2021. Uh, struggling a bit in road, I think. But really hitting the long ball and trail. All their trail shoes have been fantastic. The Catamount, uh, Cascadia, the, the $100 Divide, um, uh, and I'm probably, I'm forgetting one of one of the others. The one, the one uh, company that I think is going to surprise in trail, and I guess it shouldn't be a surprise given their heritage, is Innovate. Um, their G270 was our trail shoe of the year. It was my personal one. Five out of six of our Testers who ran many, many trail shoes had it as their favorite. Just a brilliant execution, a midsole that's uh, forgiving enough for road and trail, great grip, superb upper. And I expect there'll be more from them. Um, New Balance. Uh, yes, I do have a pair of Rebel. They came in, <laughs> came in yesterday. I haven't run them, but all of our crew is loving that shoe. Um, and I think New Balance... Uh, uh, with the, the softer fuel cell uh, foam that's in the TC, the RC, and I believe in the Rebel are going to be um, are going to continue to to uh, uh, have uh, great shoes into the coming year. Uh, Puma new entry, let's say, uh, if yeah. you will, or back in the game. Uh, love that Deviate Nitro, uh, which is really a oriented a plated shoe that's definitely oriented more training than um racing but certainly can be raced so it's more forgiving all around uh i found it really excellent all around uh as a as kind of a first entry from from them um i'm probably forgetting somebody but <laughs> I, I forgot somebody and sam i think i think you're probably forgetting the same person it's probably one of my favorite brands right now yeah uh, it's definitely on the top hoka hoka's Got oh, Hoka, so Hoka, yes. Good oh. shoes right now between the Carbon X2 and the um, – I, I actually like the Carbon X2 better than the Rocket X, but that, the Mach 4 is, is a brilliant shoe, and, I mean, they just have such a nice uh, lineup. I can't believe I left them out, but, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think uh, Hoka's – One of the things that, uh, that Hoka's done brilliantly this year – all their shoes, trail and road, and I haven't run all of them, but uh, I didn't run the Carbon X. Is uh, the these this new uh, kind of engineered mesh upper that you you have in the Mac Four, um, 
is just wonderful in its support, comfort, um, and they're and they are while they don't tell us what it is, they're headed to softer and lighter foams, which the Mac Four definitely has in uh, in spades. That's a wonderful ride um, uh, riding shoe, um, and uh, Hoka also uh, we're talking running here a whole fleet of uh, radical um, hiking shoes in their sky collection, um, yeah, which really are, you know, uh, some are more radical than others, uh, but, uh, they're really branching out. And I think Brian, you'd know, but I think they're, uh, at this point, one, if not the fastest growing, uh, brand in, in the space. Yeah, they certainly have been. I think that, you know, they've been through a few surges and when they first came on, they were growing very fast. I think they're growing fast again. I think, um, I think I, I agree with the innovations they're doing. I think that the one brand we have left out is Skechers. I think Skechers is a, is a unique brand. I think that foam they have um, is really, really uh, quite good. Um, I think the Razor Elite was a fun shoe. Um, it, it's exciting to, it's exciting to know that, you know, it used to be a long time ago, there was eight brands or so that would, you know, put all the shoes out. Now there's, gosh, there's probably like 30, right? And that's exciting. It's like, because there's, there's, there are, I think the point of this conversation, there's so many different brands that are kind of nudging ahead, uh, maybe not uh, competing on uh, the broad scale that some of these brands can, but like definitely some of these innovations are definitely bringing something to the table, you know, and, and changing the game in different shapes and, and different materials. And I think that's, that's exciting. Um, got a few more minutes here. Uh, it's been obviously fun talking about shoes and it's always exciting to see kind of what's, what's being delivered by what brand, uh, and eventually, you know, what, what, which, you know, which shoes are really deemed by the running public as, as kind of the best, best shoes. I think again, last year, there were so many good ones. I, I do think that for me, the, uh, the, you know, Saucony was, was probably that, that, that brand that really crushed it last year. And it, it's tough, you know, year over year to, to keep doing that. Uh, it is an Olympic year in 2021, which is a weird thing to say. It doesn't really roll off your tongue, but I think we'll see a lot of those, um, technologies and spikes, um, become more mainstream. Obviously there are some regulations to that, but, but I think that's always a, a good thing. I think, I think when, when, um, when even though most people don't wear spikes, obviously, except for high school and college kids, um, it is exciting to see that innovation and that technology happen. Uh, uh, but but obviously the, the the whole Olympic year is always inspiring to people, and that's going to bring you know new colors, new you know prototypes, perhaps or for, for maybe maybe first on the eyes of people. You know, people will see these for the first time. That's going to be exciting. Um, I guess maybe the question I want to ask you guys is we've talked about, you know, some of these innovations and like, you know, geez, 10 years ago, we were just getting out of the, uh, the minimalist kind of era. And like, that's when Hoka kind of launched and there was all these thick foams. And if you look back then, there was a lot of those materials were pretty basic, you know, and, and the uppers, even though they were lighter on some of these shoes, the minimal shoes, um, were, were pretty basic, but now it's like, there's so many cool materials that are coming out and every now and then like a new, a new shoe will come for testing. I'll be like, Oh my God, what's that? You know? I guess maybe talk about that in terms of it seems like that's where the continued innovation is going to come from. I mean, obviously, the material science has changed so much. And to have foams, as you mentioned, Sam, that are lighter, obviously, that they do more things. Um, it seems like that's, you know, a running shoe is still a running shoe and maybe has been, you know, forever. But it seems like material science and materials um, are, are a big part of this, uh, this equation of like, wow, we, we love these shoes you know, more than anything, but, but it's obviously it's, it's what's going into them. Yeah. The, um, um, obviously the foams are, are a key, um, 
are a key to all this. Uh, and, the, you know, the two kind of first out of the gate were obviously the Zoom X from Nike and Skechers Hyperburst. And how the how the shoe design accommodates these lighter foams that have a lot of energy, how they make them stable enough. Uh, the overall geometry with plate, without plate are really uh, it's beyond me how they pull it off. And sometimes it doesn't work as well, or it doesn't work for, for a particular runner's, um, kind of style. So I, I hope we see in, um, 2021, um, instead of sort of a, 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 uh, uh, from each brand, a single approach, particularly in racing to, um, or a single stride type being favored we see uh, variations for different types of runners maybe even diff- uh, even diff- different distances i think uh in addition to foam what I, what i've seen is a whole generation a uh, new generation of these engineered mesh uppers uh that are lighter thinner they're kind of denser but well ventilated hoka is an example um uh their their uppers uh, the the um, the upper, uh, which is sort of like the turbo on the the Puma, but um, the Craft's upper, um, they they're they're thin, they're light, uh, they're kind of dense, but very very well ventilated, very simple, and often they pull it off with great foothold with minimal overlays. Uh, for example, the um, uh, we didn't mention Topo, but their Cyclone upper is incredibly light thin there's just sort of a little bit of an underlay at midfoot um and it works super well even with their wide you know anatomical toe box so and of course upper lighter uppers mean lighter weight as well along yeah. with more comfort so that's Absolutely. that's a frontier you know i agree uh maybe to wrap this up maybe the last question thomas uh do we do we think that do you think that uh, shoes can keep innovating? I mean, obviously, it's it's uh, the million dollar question, and obviously, shoes have always kept innovating, and we see all these things happen in real time. But um, I mean, like five, 10, 20 years from now, do we is this sustainable to keep this innovation and performance uh, improving? I, I say absolutely. I, I can't imagine there'll be a time where we aren't trying to tweak something. I think that you know the next frontier is is going to be perhaps we find technologies and ways to create shoes that are more individual to the person. And, and we talked about this before, Brian, but how do you do that on a mass scale where I'm getting the best shoe for my gait, for my stride, for my weight, for my, you know, training habits, like how does that translate? And that's going to come down to data and technology. And I think that right now we're working on foams and materials and how we put the shoe together. I think the next frontier for shoes and what's going to be happening in the future is how do we take your data and create a shoe that works in the best possible way for, for the individual. Yep. Yep. That's probably a good way to, to wrap here. I mean, obviously 2021 is kind of the start of this, of what's next, obviously. And uh, yeah, I, I do think that custom or semi-custom shoes are certainly uh, on the horizon and certainly uh you know might might be five years away still but it's certainly an exciting pro- uh, prospect um uh it's been great talking to you guys sam weinbaum from road trail run and thomas newberger from believe in the run thank you very much uh, it's always a pleasure to to obviously just uh, chit chat about shoes obviously we geek out about stuff but it's been it's been really great having you here all right well thank, thank you, you for Brian. hosting 
And uh, happy new year to all the runners. And uh, certainly it's gonna be an exciting time uh, when, you, when you go to get that first new pair of shoes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thanks for joining on this episode of the Kixology Podcast. A big thanks to Sam Weinbaum from RoadTrailRun.com and Thomas Newberger of BelieveInRun.com. Be sure to check out their sites for the latest in running shoe reviews. Please tune in each week as I talk about all things running shoes, from the newest models, the latest trends, breakthrough innovations, and a look at what's coming in the future. Also, be sure to check out a copy of my book, Kixology, The Hype, Science, Culture, and Cool of Running Shoes.